Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you, although I can't see you, but you can see me. Uh, today, I'd really like to talk about the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer I know that many of us are familiar with. I remember learning the Lord's Prayer at primary school without knowing exactly what it meant. Back then, assemblies were where the entire school would come together in the school hall to celebrate the achievements of others, hear announcements from teachers, and sing hymns such as, Come by our, my Lord. He's got the whole world in his hands. The Lord of the dance, and not forgetting that old school classic, Morning Has Broken. And of course, after singing these wonderful hymns, we'd often finish with the Lord's Prayer. And so as a trip down memory lane today, I'm going to recite the traditional version of the Lord's Prayer now, as we did when I was at primary school, and the words will appear on your screen. So if you're at home, feel free to say these words out loud, or if you're here live in the kids' center, feel free to say these words internally. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, after reciting the traditional version of this prayer with words such as thy, art, and hallowed, it's easy to understand how an eight-year-old in a primary school would struggle to grasp the true meaning of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm clearly not alone in all of this, as we can see from the gentleman on this video clip. What is God's name? Howard. How do you know, how do you know God's name is Howard? Our Father, who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> Now, as humorous as that meme is, I don't think it's my lack of understanding or that of the gentleman on the video that is exclusive to the two of us. But I wonder how many of us actually understand what Jesus was talking about when he taught us the Lord's Prayer. And for that reason, I'd like to spend a little time unpacking some of the key aspects of that prayer today. In particular, God as Father and his will being done in our lives. The Lord's Prayer, of course, is quite a big subject to explore, and I'd really recommend reading, if you haven't already, Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, for a comprehensive look at the Lord's Prayer. Another book that I'd highly recommend, which has been instrumental in my spiritual journey, uh, in particular with my perspective of God, is The Father Heart of God by Floyd McClung. And so it's in Jesus' great sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount that he introduces us to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so Jesus starts the prayer with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To the listening crowd at the time, they would have been very surprised to hear Jesus telling them to refer to God in the affectionate term as Father, especially as the Jews were accustomed to referring to God as Yahweh, which means I am, which captures the essence of God's eternal existence and his sovereignty. The word hallowed, as opposed to Howard, means holy, revered, and respected is the creator of the universe. And as creator and architect of humanity, Jesus is telling us to refer to him as Father. This is important as the way we view God often underpins the way we approach and relate to him. In the book of Psalms, David said, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so as the world belongs to God and we live in it, We have the potential to view God as a landlord as opposed to a father. For the students among us, you will know that there are certain rules that you have to abide by as tenants, and your landlord has an obligation to fulfill certain duties too. This, of course, is what's known as a business relationship, and it's conditional. Whereas a personal, informal relationship with a father should be unconditional. One relationship is based on what we do, and the other relationship is based on who we are. A good way to determine whether our approach to God in prayer is on a business or on a family basis is determined by how we respond to unanswered prayer. So, for example, let's say Sally is a student and her boiler has recently broken down. When she rings her landlord, she's likely to say something like this. I've paid my rent. You need to come and fix my boiler now. And she's likely to say it with confidence. Whereas if she hasn't paid her rent, she's likely to shiver in silence as she won't want to make that call. In other words, if we're living the way the Bible encourages us to live, we often have an expectation of God to answer all of our prayers. And we become disappointed with him when he doesn't. Conversely, if we're not living the way the Bible encourages us to live, we're often reluctant to approach him in prayer because of our shame and embarrassment. I wonder, how do you approach God when you've lost your job due to COVID? How do you approach God when the job that you prayed for and you believed was for you was actually given to someone else? And how do you approach God when someone close to you has passed away, even though you and others had prayed and fasted for their recovery? These are very real circumstances that many of us are facing today. And these are often painful and difficult circumstances to navigate alone. But if we view God as a landlord, as opposed to a father, It robs us of the intimacy that God desires to have with us as a loving father and comforter during these times. Disappointment towards a landlord is inconsolable as we have nowhere to go with our pain, our grief, and our sadness. 
But disappointment towards God as a loving father can be healing and restorative as we learn to trust him with our lives. Especially as this book, the Bible, tells us that he is good and trustworthy. Even when bad things happen in our lives that are beyond our control, we know that there is nothing that can happen to us that the great I am is not aware of. And so instead of running away from um, the discomfort of what this life offers, we need to learn to surrender our will to his will in the discomfort of what this life has to offer. We see this played out in Jesus' life in the Garden of Gethsemane when he knew that it was God's will for him to die for the whole of humanity. Jesus could have run away. I would have been tempted to. But instead, Jesus prayed this. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. It's amazing that we can approach God in this way, as a father as opposed to a landlord. Knowing that whatever happens to our lives, God, the creator of the universe, Yahweh, the great I am, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings is with us and longs to be close to us. And when our father, the king, is close, so is his kingdom. Hence the next line or the next few lines of the Lord's Prayer, which are, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the ways for God's kingdom to come is through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But in order for us to understand what God's will is, we first need to um, surrender ourselves to that process. We first need to align ourselves with his will, just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. However, our will often conflicts with God's will. Our will is usually about comfort, whilst God's will tends to be moving us into discomfort. For example, for some of us, we'd much rather watch TV than engage in an online small group. Or for others, we'd much rather browse social media than read the Bible. And for others still, we'd much rather eat food than fast. I certainly know I would. Yet these are just a few of the things that would cause us to know our Heavenly Father better. Yet the only way to truly know God is to allow ourselves to be known by Him. In his book, Anatomy of the Soul, Kurt Thompson said, there's a difference between knowing things about God and being known by God. My wife, Sarah, and I, we've been married now for over 10 years. And uh, she not only knows things about me, such as where I was born, my heritage, and my employment history, but she knows me intimately and personally. She knows me when I'm at my best, and she knows me when I'm at my worst. And she often knows what I need before I do. For example, there may be a time when I'm a little frustrated at home, and I'm a little short with the kids, She has this really wonderful way of suggesting, Dave, do you need to go for a run? I know Sarah too. I know when she's tired. I know when she's joyful. And I know when she simply just needs a hug. 
God desires to be in a similar relationship with us. He desires that we know and we allow ourselves to be known by him. I love the way Paul puts it in his first letter to the Corinthians when he said, We all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. It's good to know things about God. Theology is important. The Vineyard Movement have a fantastic uh, theology course called the Vineyard Institute, which is a great way to find out more and study about God. But theology, without a living relationship with God, is like a speedboat on dry land. It's not going anywhere. It's our intimacy with God that moves us into the ocean of his love. It's there that he reveals his heart and his will to us. And it's there that we allow ourselves to be known and to be seen. It reminds me of the story in the Bible uh, with Adam and Eve when they'd just eaten from the apple. And God comes down in the cool of the day to speak to them. And it says in Genesis chapter 3. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He, Adam, answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. I wonder if there are any of us that are hiding from God today. We know things about him. We speak to him from a distance like Adam, but our hearts are far from him. Intimacy requires vulnerability which means that we can't run away, we can't hide, and we can't self-medicate, whether that be alcohol, drugs, or online shopping, or whatever it is that takes us away from spending time intimately with his presence. And it means that he's going to see the things that we don't like to show others, and the things that we often don't like to see within ourselves. The thought of granting God access into the depths of our souls is terrifying. Which is why many of us don't allow ourselves to be known. And subsequently, God's will is unable to be done in our lives. A few weeks ago, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer in our small group. And a lovely lady uh, named Rose Uh, in describing one of her many conversations with the Lord, said this, Lord, is there anything in me that is coming between us? She said, I was anxious about asking him that question. It's been a painful journey. I've cried a lot, but yet I feel closer to him. It's through intimacy with him that he started to heal my pain from the past. Before I was just too busy. I was always running around instead of trying to get closer to him. It's through intimacy with God that his kingdom comes. It's through intimacy with God that his will is done in our lives as it is in heaven. He is a good, kind, gracious, loving, 
gentle Father that is quick to forgive us of our sin and our shame. And he longs to be in an intimate relationship with you, with me, with us. And so as I bring this talk to a close today, I have a few takeaways which I think could be helpful in helping us make this a reality. And these will appear on your screen. And the first one is, if you're new to faith or a recent follower of Jesus, spend at least five minutes each day reading the Lord's Prayer, slowly reflecting on each line. If you're a three-year-plus follower of Jesus, take away one and take away two, which is, in your prayer time, reflect on whether your approach to God has been as a landlord or as a loving father. And it may be worthwhile reading The Father Heart of Good, the book I mentioned earlier by Floyd McClung. And the third one is, if you're a five-year-plus follower of Jesus, takeaways one, two, and three. And of course, three is, in your prayer time with God, away from all distraction, genuinely ask him the question, is there anything in me that is coming between us? And so just before we go into ministry time, I think it would be um, really good to create some space for intimacy for the Holy Spirit to come. And so I'm going to read the contemporary version of the Lord's Prayer. And if you're at home or you're in the kids' center, I'd I'd encourage you to, to close your eyes and open out your hands, as I would love to read this over you. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.